0: And i tell you what, it is good to see some faces we haven't seen before. Ray, it is good to see you, brother. Thanks for coming. It's good to see you. Lord bless you. Um, also, we have a visitor with us today, a co-worker in Christ. And I'm going to call her out, probably embarrass her, but her name is Cassie. Cassie, would you please stand? Cassie is a co-worker in Christ. She is uh, one of the, I guess, she's in the ministry at, at Bloomington campus at IU campus. At a, it's called Chi Alpha Ministries, huh? Chi Alpha. I don't know. I never had Latin in school or nothing. But anyhow, she. Uh, I've been following her adventures for the last year, and a lot of young ladies, you know, are at a very a crossroads in their lives. They're they're. They're 18, they're going to college, some of them are going away from home for the first time, and they're at a turning point. And statistics show us that only one out of three college students will continue in the faith. And you know, that's pretty sad, isn't it? Chrissy and her companions are standing in the gap for those ladies. They're showing them the love of Christ and that they still have a family and a fellowship to belong to. So we're thankful for you and thankful for the work that you've done through the Lord and uh, God bless you and you know and just like any ministry you know that takes funds right. They need sponsorships and people to, to reach out and to help and and through this message which it's, it's ironic that she's here today because what we're going to be talking about is faith and deeds today in James chapter 2 starting at verse 14 through 26 and it talks about showing our faith by what we do and, and how we uh, proceed. and, and uh, So thanks for being here today, Cassie. I love you, proud of you. Go give him Jesus, all right? Uh, also, man, we've had a lot of babies lately. <laughs> Ross and, and Natalie are not here, but they had a little, little girl. I forgot her name. Was it Ro- Noel? Noel. And uh, so... Anyhow, they're home recuperating. I guess I don't see them in here today, but but we just give thanks for all the little babies. And we've seen a whole quiver over here. Rusty and, and Beth got going on, and, and one on the way. Congratulations! Thank you, Lord. They are a blessing. Boy, if I knew grandkids were so much fun, I'd have had them first. <laughs> I can, I can get them all jacked up on Mountain Dew and chocolate, give them a sack full of whistles, and send them home. <laughs> my mom always told me my kids would be her revenge because <laughs> that's what she did Does <laughs> Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come today and we give you thanks for your, for your son Jesus, and it's through him uh, that we have fellowship one with another as brothers and sisters. We thank you for this gift of, of unspeakable unspeak- love that you've given us. In your son Jesus Lord as we uh, begin to prepare our hearts and our minds for for the teaching today Lord I just pray that your Holy Spirit would fall on us because this passage of Scripture has caused a lot of controversy and conflict amongst believers matter of fact uh, in my studies I, I saw where where Martin Luther the great reformer did not want the book of James, even in the Bible, because of what we're going to see today. But Lord, I just pray that you would give me uh, the 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 ability today to reconcile the the teachings of Peter or Paul and the teachings of, of James, and understand so we understand and know that they are not in conflicting; they're not conflicting; they're complementary. They're they're complementing one another. They are the the they are branches of the same tree, so to speak. So Lord, we uh, we just ask that you would uh, let your Holy Spirit fall on us today as we uh, study your Word to gain wisdom and understanding and knowledge, Lord and uh, Father. I, I this is a hard a hard lesson, and uh, James doesn't mince any words here. So, Father, I pray that through love that we might hear the Word and not only be as as a, as a, it said earlier in chapter 2, not only be hearers of the word, but we would be doers of the word. That knowing what the word tells us, we need to put it in, in, into practice and show our faith by what we do. J, Jesus himself said that he gave us a new command. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. That by this, by the way that you love, men might know that you truly are my disciples. That is how we will be known by the way that we love. So, Father, I just pray that, uh, that through this message today, that each and every one of us here today would walk out of this place and glorify you, not by words, but by our actions, that people might know who we belong to by the way that we live and the way that we act. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Living faith. We're going to see two distinct, contrasting examples of faith in these passages from chapter 2, verse 14, down to the end of the chapter. And uh, I'm just going to read it, then we'll go through it and pick it apart a little bit, okay? And you can understand why it might have been kind of shocking to some people who followed the, the teachings of Paul. It says, "What is it, my, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds can such faith save him suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food and if one of you says to him go I wish you well keep warm and be well fed but does nothing about his physical needs what good is it in the same way faith by itself if it's not accompanied by action is dead but someone will say you have faith I have deeds Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there's one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you not do you want evidence that that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous when he did what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteous righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered Righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. The word of the Lord. Woo. Can you see how that might cause people to kind of scratch their heads a little bit? Because we know what, what Paul's wrote, right? He says that it is by grace through faith that we've been saved not by works so that no man might boast and that sounds like a direct contradiction to what we hear in james writing right but it's not really you have to understand something about the context and the background of the two two guys right we know that 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 paul was a was a pharisee of pharisees he even called himself you know he was a learned man and he was writing to romans in the book of Romans what I did, or Ephesians and he was writing to these people that were Gentiles he was a messenger sent to the Gentiles so he's writing and talking to Gentile people and he's trying to to tell them and the word that he uses for works what he means is obeying the old covenant you know obeying the old law the old Ten Commandment law you know and we know that you know we've seen it happen even in modern times where people will take a little bit of Scripture and they can either detract from what it says, or they can add to it, right? Jesus even kind of lamented the Pharisees and the teachers of law back in Matthew 23. He said that you strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel, right? They were so particular in trying to observe the law that even in their drinking water, they would strain it so they wouldn't swallow a gnat, which was considered an unclean camel or an unclean animal, right? But in the same token, they would do that, but then they would—, they would not do the more important and the greater things so he's saying that you you swallow a camel you strain out a gnat all right well it's kind of a little bit of what's going on here too so Paul says that that you know it's not by works that you're saved but what he's talking about is the old covenant and the old trying to get to heaven and, and be righteous with God by observing all those laws because if you don't love your brother as yourself then none of the law matters right None of it matters because that's what God has called us to do. That last commandment he gave us, right? I just said it in my prayer. A new command I give unto you is I have loved you, so you must love one another, that by this men might know that you truly are my disciples, if you love one another. So we see that taking place, but, you know, and and, and people think, okay, that's direct contradiction to what what, uh, James is writing. But not really. Not really, it's just a kind of a the same thing, but talking to different people and using different descriptions. Paul goes on to say later on that if uh, how is it, in, I think it's in 2 Corinthians chapter five, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Uh, Verses 17, when, when he's talking about the ministry of reconciliation, he says, "For I am convinced that one died for all, therefore all must die and no longer live for themselves." but for him who died for them. Although we once viewed people from a worldly point of view, we do so no longer, even though we used to do, view Christ in this way. And he goes on and he talks about being ambassadors for Christ. Well, how do you be an ambassador for Christ? Well, you go out and you show love and you do things. The book of Acts chapter 4 talks about how the believers were all one in heart, Right? and they shared their possessions with one another, and they didn't hold anything back. That's, that's why the church grew like it did, because everybody pitched in. Everybody saw the needs of the widows and the orphans. James even talks about that in chapter 1, right? Verse 27, he says, uh, what was it? <clears throat> the kind of religion, I think it's, he uses the word religion there. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world okay we see that kind of highlighted again and and it reintroduced in James chapter 2 verses uh, 14 through 26 he's still there he's still there well Paul in the same way he's talking about that too in Titus chapter 3 verses 8 he says this the saying is true I desire that you assist on the, insist on these things so that those who have come to believe in God may be careful to devote themselves to, get this, good works. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. So digging a little deeper in the writings of Paul, we see that there's really not any, any conflict between James and Paul and what they're wanting to convey we are saved by grace through faith, amen? But that faith should prompt us to do something, to live a different way. It's called repentance, right? We no longer live for ourselves as in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We live for Christ and we want to see people know him. That should be the desire of our heart. The same desire, when we ask Jesus to come in our hearts, his desire becomes our desire. It should, right? We want what God wants. We want to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You think there's any needy people in heaven? I don't think so. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore one, all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer Live for themselves. That's what James is talking about. Living for Jesus. Letting the world know who we belong to. Then, in verse 15, he gives us a hypothetical question, doesn't he? He says, so suppose a brother or sister was without clothes or daily food, and if one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and be well fed but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? You know, in this scenario, it's clear that the person sees the need, right? The, the, the righteous person, the godly person, he sees that this person is in need. He has not the right proper clothes on for the season. He hasn't have any food he hadn't eaten probably in a couple of days. And he acknowledges it. says, go, be well, keep warm. And be well fed, but he doesn't do anything. He doesn't give him his cloak the way Jesus told us to, right? He didn't go the distance. (coughs) Hmm. I was thinking about that, and I thought, well, maybe in today's language it might go something like this. Well, brother, I'm sorry about your circumstances right now, but I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. That doesn't mean that prayer is not a good thing, right? But did we help them in any way? I've had people tell me that before, and I'm sure that probably as soon as they walked away, they forgot about my prayer, that prayer in my behalf. (laughs) Sometimes we need to put as Sister Vera Wagner used to say, we need to put some legs on them prayers, right? We need to continue to pray. Praying is always the right answer, but we also need to take care of the physical needs of those who are hurting. So he brings this this scenario in there. James asked what this guy did, saying, I see that you... I acknowledge that you're, you're hungry, and I acknowledge that you're cold and you don't have proper clothing, but you go ahead and be warm and well-fed. How's that supposed to happen? Sometimes, you, you, ever, you remember that little thing about, what was it, somebody, anybody, nobody? <laughs> somebody was in need, and everybody saw that that person was in need. And everybody said somebody ought to do something, but nobody did anything. Right? Right? Because we expect somebody else to do something. But God sometimes prompts us and lays it on our hearts to be the one to do the thing. Maybe God wants to use you to change somebody's life and to show them love. We're all called to be disciples and to be ministers. It's not the job of pastors. It's the job of Christians. We are to be the hands and feet of Jesus, right? We're the ones that are supposed to go and do these things, and that's what James is trying to convey. You know, but there again, (coughs) Paul likewise in Romans chapter 13, verse 8, he says this. It says that to let no debt remain outstanding except for the continuing debt to love one another. When is our debt paid to Christ? Can we ever repay Christ for what he's done for us? We can't, can we? And he's called us to love one another. And that debt never ends, it never, ever ends ends. We are truly to be our brother's keepers, amen? You know, and I'm probably going to get a little in trouble here, but I believe that we've seen a takeover (coughs) not only in this country, but throughout the world (coughs) where God's people have allowed the government to take the place of God. We see all the, the, the communism and the Marxism and the socialism coming in. And it's replacing what God's people used to do. Charity used to be the number one priority of the church, taking in the orphans and the widows, uh, caring for people's needs. Now we have government programs, housing, medical insurance, food, everything else. church, that was supposed to be our job. And now, through these programs, many people don't look to God anymore. They look to government to sustain them. You see that? You understand that? We need to step up. Verse 17 says, in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Let me ask you, you go walking around to Walmart or downtown or anywhere, it's a challenge, I guess. challenges me. If you walked up to a stranger on the street and they saw you there, Would they know that you were a follower of Jesus Christ? And I don't mean by maybe a snappy saying you might have on your shirt, but by the way you treat people and interact with people. Because well, I tell you what, sometimes I, I get my toe stepped on when I think about that because I get a little impatient when I'm in the Walmart and there's a great big long line and I'm in a hurry. Amen. <laughs> Do I show the love of Christ in that situation? Do I show grace to that poor little girl that's overwhelmed trying to figure out a price check? Anybody hearing me? I always try to let them know that that they're doing a good job and they're loved. And it's going to be okay. Faith, if it's not accompanied by actions, is dead. There's an old saying that says that the world doesn't know or care how much you know about the Bible, about Jesus, or about any religious aspect until they know how much you care. Until they know how much you care. Jesus said the tree would be known by its fruit, right? What kind of fruit are we producing? i guy got wrote down here that says, saying religious things but not doing religious things is a dead faith. In verse 18 it says, someone, someone will say you have faith I have deeds show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by what I do faith is kind of like the wind right we can't see I can't see into shorty's heart I know he's a man of faith because of what he does but as far as faith in him I can't see that but I can see the evidence of it same way as Virgil same way as Bobby same way as rusty we can see evidence of faith in our lives right? But faith itself, we can't really see. I can see the, 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 the trees out there swaying when the wind comes, but as far as just seeing wind, I can't see it. But I see evidence of it being manifested. The same way with our faith, we can see faith when it is put into practice, when it's being used and when it's being manifested in somehow, some shape, some way. Right? Verse 19, he goes on and he, he kind of really sticks the spurs into the Jewish believers. James was, was talking and writing to basically uh, the, the church at Jerusalem, right? He was the, the leader of the Jerusalem church. And uh, so that's kind of probably, he was talking to people who were predominantly came from the Jewish faith. So this is where he really kind of sticks in the spurs a little bit. He says, verse 19, you believe that there is one God, good. Even demons believe that and shudder. We know that the Jews were very conscious to to observe the laws and and had particular rituals and practices they did. And One of their things, they had morning and evening prayers, right? Every morning and every evening, they would, would, would recite the same prayer. And every Jew knew the Shema. And the Shema came out of Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four, and it says this. And this was the very first verse of the Shema. Hear, O Israel: The Lord our God is one. That was a proclamation of their faith that they believed that the Lord was the Lord, the God was God and God alone. All right. Well, James, like I said, he's digging in the spurs. He's saying. You believe that there's one God. Good. Even demons believe that and shudder. He's saying, you guys have the same kind of faith the demons got. Congratulations. At least the demons are doing something. They're shuddering. Mercy. Faith like demons. You know, we see that all over the world, don't we? We see people standing up, So I believe in God, Then they go live like hell. It's not a life that's manifested through their beliefs. It's a dead faith. Because if we have living faith, then we're going to do things that are going to be what God wants us to do. He's, we're going to live like Jesus. We're going to look like Jesus. We're going to look like It's not enough just to say, I believe. Repentance comes with it. A changed life. You know, we did a a study back, I think it was in Romans, where we were talking about, you know, a living faith and being alive in Christ. You know, and we were asking nurses, what are some key features of uh, signs of life? Well, how do you know something's alive, right? Movement was one of them, right? You see a snake laying on the road and it's just laying there and you kind of wonder, huh, wonder if that thing's dead or not. You go over there and you kick it with your boot. Well, if it don't move, it's dead. Yeah. Kind of like some Christians. You kick them, they still don't move. Sorry. God's called us to be active. He's called us to move. Girding up her loins, right, Jeff? Getting ready for battle. I didn't lost my place. Then he goes on in verse 20, and he kind of digs in the spurs a little more. Look what he says. You foolish man. You foolish man. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. So now he uses an example from one of the the staunch well he was a father of the, of the of the of the jewish people right abraham god took him out in genesis i think it was genesis 15 and he took him out and he said look up to the sky he says those stars stars in the sky are so numerous and that's the way that your offspring will be you won't be even be able to count them and later on he says that they'll be as numerous as the sand on the seashore right well, Abraham was 75 years old. And you know what? Abraham had faith in God. He believed God. He was 75 years old, well beyond what most people would think of. And his wife was elderly too. And you wouldn't think that somebody that old would, would be a father of a nation. And he didn't say, God, how am I going to do this in my old age? He believed God. He believed God, and it was credited to him As righteousness. Then later on in Genesis 22, we see that his firstborn son, his one and only son at that time, Isaac, God told him to take him up on the mountain, prepare an altar, and to sacrifice him. Again, Abraham didn't question at all, did he? Isaac had a question because he sees him and his father are going up on this mountaintop and preparing an altar and putting wood to put lay the, the the offering on and he's looking for the offering. And Isaac says, "Father, where's the offering? Where's the sacrificial lamb for the offering?" And you remember what Abraham said? God will provide. And even when he laid Isaac on that altar, and he was getting ready to plunge that knife into him, God stopped him. But Abraham was going to be obedient, even unto the death of his one and only son, because he knew and he trusted God, that God would provide. And if he was going to be slain, that God could raise him from the dead. A little precursor of what he was going to do with his own son. God was trusted by Abraham and it was credited to him as righteousness and we go on a little further you know we see this this great stalwart of the Jewish faith Abraham and he's laying out this exact example to the to his readers about about father Abraham but then look what he does back down in I think it's verse 25 and it says in the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. We go from one extreme to another, don't we? We go from the father of the Jewish faith to Rahab, who's a Gentile prostitute, in the city of Jericho, protecting the Hebrew spies that went in into Jericho to, to, to spy to see what kind of, Embattlements and fortresses and 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 people they had in there. And uh, apparently, somehow, the king of Jericho found out that 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 Joshua was sending spies into Jericho to spy out the land, and they they knew that those those spies had went into to Rahab's house, right? According to Joshua chapter two, you can read it. And uh, but she believed the God of Abraham. She had heard the stories about how God had parted the Red Sea to allow the, the Israelites to escape out of Egypt. She heard and had, had heard about the, 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 the capture of, of the cities of Sihon and Og by the Israelites as they entered into the Promised Land. And it says, our people are melting with fear. But your God, the Lord God of heaven and of earth below, is with you. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to hide you up on my roof, and I'm going to send your pursuers out a different way. And when they leave and they close the gate, I'm going to let you down th- by a rope through the window of the city wall, and you go over here in the hills and stay until the for three days until they come back. And, but you remember me and what I've done, and they swore an oath to her that her and her family wouldn't be spared. When, the, when they came and the, Jer- the walls of Jericho fell. So Rahab was a Gentile prostitute. So we see from one hand, we see Father Abraham and we see a Gentile, a Gentile prostitute on the other, but both of them believe and acted on their belief in God. Both of them were considered righteous for not only what their faith, but when they put their faith into action and what they've done. And we probably fall somewhere in between Father Abraham and Rahab, right? But our faith should produce action of some sort. Our faith, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Verse 26 it says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. You know, in the book of Revelation, I think it's in chapter 2, we see seven letters being written to the church. You know, and one of the things I, I, that struck me when I was reading those passages about those churches, it says this, to the church of Laodicea, I know your find it all those different churches I think every one of them somebody correct me if I'm wrong but I think that it speaks how they were known by their deeds I don't bring my glasses with me today. Okay, chapter 2 to the church of Ephesus. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds. For another one but i think it's about every church that they write the letters to Church churches of murder church of Farragon these are the words of him who is sharp double-edged sword i know where you live i know certain has it where so, satan has his throne yet you remain true to my name you did not renounce your faith in me even in the days of antipas my faithful witness who was put to death in your city where Satan lives nevertheless you have people there who hold the teaching of Balaam talking about the deeds these are the words of the son of God in the church of Thyatira I know your deeds I know your deeds knows the deeds you know I just uh, had a very busy week last week and uh, I did a had a blessed time on Monday. I did a wedding, and on the, on Tuesday I had kind of more of a sad time. I I uh, did a funeral service for 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 an old friend. You know, and one of the things I've I've noticed I've been doing a lot of funerals lately. And I don't love doing funerals, except to, to the comfort it brings in knowing that that I'll see him again because they they walked with the Lord. But one of the things I, I noticed when I went up to the casket of this man that passed away and I hadn't seen him for several years and he had suffered with cancer for a while and he was emancipated he was skin and bones and and, uh, he was a joyful boisterous guy, joking guy and there he was in that casket and the spirit had left him and he was lifeless he was lifeless in this verse 26, that's kind of what it's talking about. Just as the, the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without actions is dead. Faith without actions is dead. We are to be alive in Christ, amen? How do people know that we're alive in Christ? It's because we move, we act, we do things that brings glory to our God. God didn't hold anything back from us, did he? Was there anything that he ever held back from you? He loves us. Through all throughout scriptures, we see Jesus acting upon the faith he had in his Father. He had compassion on people wherever he went. That was one of the hallmarks that I've seen wherever he saw somebody that was in need or in had, had an affliction. The Bible said that he had compassion on them, and we're supposed to be compassionate people too, right? When we see needs, we take action. That's what we're called to be and to do. And that's what James is talking about, and and Paul is no different. He 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 wanted the same things, you know. The works that he were talking about was was. Uh, The works of the old covenant doing the old things the way that they always done them but when jesus came the new covenant came and it wasn't just about observing laws and and rituals it's about having a true relationship with god and his son jesus christ and living the way that jesus did loving the way that he did seeing people through his eyes that's what it's about so is there conflict between these two, James and Paul? I don't think so. I think so. They're just different sides of the same coin. We're going to be known by our fruit. Amen? We're going to be known by what we've done. And I'm going to leave you with this, Jesus' words about final judgment in Matthew 25. Jesus is talking about final judgment and it says in verse 31 of chapter 25 of Matthew when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as shepherds separate sheep from goats he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left then the king will say to those on his right come Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for me, or for one of these, the least of these brothers of mine, you also did for me. putting our faith into action one day we're all going to have to give an account aren't we one day as we begin our preparation I'm going to close with that And as we begin our time of, of preparation for communion I'd like for us to just kind of Let the Holy Spirit examine ourselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, Shelly's got something she's wanting to share. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, That's right. I just feel led to pray, and I just want to thank Brad this morning for his word. And I just thank you that he was courageous, and he spoke the word of God. That's the living truth. And I don't know about you guys, but I want to come to church and be changed by the word of God. And you mean by the truth and the testimony that Brad spoke this morning. And I just want to say, you know, I know Brad because I know his heart is so big and I know everybody that knows him is so big. But the fact that he even had to say just to make sure nobody got offended that he was going to get in trouble or sorry for the truth. And so I'm just so thankful, Lord, right now that um, Brad just spoke the truth this morning. And um, I just want to encourage you all because I was convicted and it's true what Brad said and we need to hear the truth, people. We really need to hear the truth that that is the reason why we are called take care of the widows and the orphans, and we're supposed to take this word, this living word of God, and not just receive it and come here on Sunday morning and sit, and what is moving God has for me, but to take the word of God, and that's what he's really prompted me the last six months, you know, not to sit around the table or sit anymore, but take his word and put it into action. So I just want to pray with you guys this morning, and this might just be something that is speaking just to me, but I just felt like the Holy Spirit really wanted me to come up and speak that this morning, and I'm just so thankful to be here to God. Lord, we just humbly, Lord, just come before you right now. And God, I just repent, Lord, for right now, Lord, all the times, Lord, that you, Lord, had spoken, your Holy Spirit has spoken to me, Lord, and wanted me to do this, that, and the other. But just like Brad said, and I know we can all relate, because being busy at one
0: God didn't hold anything back from us. He has shown us great love and and, uh, it's a time that we can can show people who we belong to by what we do. Jesus didn't hold anything back for us and it's clearly evident by the blood and the body of Jesus that we remember when we take these elements. So as we begin to prepare our hearts for, for taking communion today, I just pray that you would ask God to To uh, examine your hearts father and and father if there's anyone he's laying on your hearts to minister to and to, to to show the love of jesus through your actions father i pray that we would go out of this place and be like a bright shining beacon into a dark and lost world out there that they might know you in a personal way lord we thank you for your word even as hard as it is to hear sometimes lord it is truth I tried to speak it the best I could in truth and in love. So, Lord, I just uh, I just thank you for, for what you're going to do through us, in us, and to us, that you would be glorified. It's not about us, Lord, but it's all about you. So we thank you for this gift that you've given us through the sacrifice that you made on the cross. Lord, I remember one time studying with a group of boys 20-some years ago and called Experiencing God, and it told us this that when we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's going to cost us something. And one of the quotes I remember was of a, a missionary who was going to a, to a hostile tribe who ended up killing him, and he wrote this. It is no folly to lose what you have gained in order that you might gain what that that you cannot lose. He lost his life, but he gained eternity. He gained heaven with the Father. Following Jesus Christ doesn't cost us anything, but yet it costs us everything. Amen. We're not our own any longer. We belong to him. And we are called for a purpose, and that purpose is to go out and to show the world Sometimes we use words, but most times we're going to need to use our actions. Amen. God bless you. I love you all. Please come to the tables of grace are set up on all four corners of the room.